0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome or welcome back to That One Blank Friend with me, your host Saudi Rashid. How are you guys doing this week? I'm feeling good. I am feeling good. I am recording this on my anniversary, my wedding anniversary, and we have no plans. Well, Let me edit that. We have plans to do stuff here at the house. We are going to order some lobster rolls and some crab cakes and maybe have some beer or some wine. And we are going to unpack a murder mystery game um, or like this murder mystery detective game. That we bought a while back and we have the time actually today to give it a whirl while our daughter is at preschool. So we were like, you know, what? why not do that? We're, we're nerds, okay? We are huge fans of all the law and orders and this game is going to give us an opportunity to basically live our life as uh, the detectives. So yeah, that's what I'm doing for my anniversary. Um, you guys, I am so, so excited for this episode I literally cannot contain my excitement because it is so, so good. My dear friend, Abby, I met a couple years back, we met in an acting class and he is an, inc- first of all, he's an incredible actor. You can just tell from hearing his voice, he is giving off Kelsey grammar vibes. He needs to have his own show where he is the uh, um, some version of the South Asian Kelsey Grammer slash Frasier. <laughs> I've told him that. So I, I love this episode so much because I am a huge newbie to astrology. I know nothing. And about a month ago, he gave me a reading and it was incredible. And I knew before then I wanted him on the show, but having that chart reading just really affirmed that I needed to have him on here. And I know you guys are wondering why I'm calling this the skeptical astrologer, because those seem to be anti antithetical antithetical. how do you pronounce that? I don't know. Opposite of each other, but they're not. And he's going to explain why because I think that's really important for people to hear if you're one of those people that is like, oh my God, this is, that's like devilry and it's bad. So I hope that you guys listen to this episode with an open mind and open heart and clear your conscience. Definitely take notes. If you're new, maybe if you're not and you just love astrology, definitely take notes because he is dropping so many gems, that, um I think you're gonna learn a lot. So, without further ado, here's Abby. <laughs> so hi, Hi. So me and you, we met in an acting class, yep, a couple years ago, a primarily like comedy acting class. And Abby is incredibly funny. <laughs> He's blushing, that, but it's true. So I didn't know until after the class that you were into astrology. And then when I started doing this podcast, I kept you in the back of my mind because I was like, I want to know more about that, like how you got into that, how that sort of entered your life. So let's just go from the beginning. First of all, for me, please say your full name for me.
1: So my full name is Abhimanyu Patel. So Abhi works just fine, but yeah.
0: There you go. I, I, just because people mess up my name all the time, I really try not to mess up other people's names. So, Abhi Your g- podcast helps. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I'm like, oh, that's how she pronounces her last name. Okay, got it,
0: yeah. um, Okay, so one more time, say it for me.
1: Abhimanyu. Abhimanyu. Yep, Katyal.
0: Katyal, okay. That's it. Okay, so Abhi. Where did you grow up?
1: So I grew up in Delhi. I grew up in India. I was there till I was 17. And then I came to the States to go to college. Okay. And the astrology part of it is interestingly tied to it because, you know, I don't want you know... I don't want to make generalizations about where I grew up, but it's very tempting sometimes. But the bottom line is the astrology is a part of life for a lot of people in India in in a much more intrinsic way. And so when I grew up, I was into sort of the, standard things that you are into as a teenager if you're into astrology, like Linda Goodman's sun signs and a lot of sun sign-based astrology and kind of standard stuff. It was fascinating. It was interesting, but really interesting more in like a middle school or in a high school way.
0: And sun signs for people that don't know, that's your, like the sign that you're born under,
1: right? Yeah. It's where the, where the sign the sun is in when you're born. So typically people will know them so like, I am a Sagittarius because right. my son was in Sagittarius. I was born in December. So, you know, you're an Aquarius, if I can share that. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, please.
1: Yeah. So because the sun was an Aquarius at the time of your birth. So typically it's based on, and that's the easy, for a lot of people, they know their birth date, not their birth time. So a lot of columns, newspaper columns, et cetera, are based on sun sign astrology. And just it's, as I say to people, try to base, if you're going to read something general, read it for your ascendant, not, The sun sign. So if you're going to open a newspaper or if you're going to open a weekly thing or if you're going to open a magazine, read it if you know your rising sign or your ascendant, read it for your rising sign or ascendant as opposed to your sun sign. This is why a lot of people will look at sort of generic horoscopes, etc., and go, well, it kind of fits, but it doesn't, but anything could fit. But, you know, I'm just like, well it's tough anyway because someone is writing a few sentences to cover millions of people but but there's that now why
0: why would they and the sun sign is also um because i just looked this up is also uh called the first house cusp or the first house cusp i think
1: It, it 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 isn't so 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 the first house cusp it depends on how it's done so The sign that is rising on the eastern horizon at the time of your birth is your rising sign or your ascendant. And that becomes the first house cusp if you are using a certain house system. So astrology has evolved over all these centuries and has become diversified in how it's practiced. So in India, it's practiced a certain way. It's kind of fascinating. In India, it's still practiced in a way sidereally where you actually place the planets against the actual signs or the actual constellations. Whereas in Western, everything, the universe keeps moving and everything keeps expanding, and I'm being somewhat general here, but the sign of Aries, the sun is not truthfully, really entering the sign of Aries around the time of the spring equinox every year anymore. But in Western astrology, we start Aries there. So there are people who look at the skies and say, why shouldn't I base it on where things actually are? And this is why people will say sometimes you'll hear these things. So, you know, you think you're a Sagittarius, but you're really a Scorpio. You think you're this, but you're really a this. It becomes really confusing for a lot of people, unfortunately. So it depends on there are different ways in which different schools of astrologers cut or make charts. Gotcha. But coming back to the point you made, yeah, your 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 first house cusp, depending on how it's what what is true is that the sign on the eastern horizon when you are born is your ascendant sign. And sometimes that point can be used as your first house cusp. Your ascendant always dictates your first house. So it is your first house, yeah.
0: Now, for that, uh, going back to the question, why, let's say if someone's looking generally at their horoscope in a newspaper or in a magazine, why would they want to refer to the rising or the ascendant sign rather than their sun sign?
1: That is a great question. So, so, and it's actually, it's a mm. when people write general sun sign horoscopes, they put the sign they're talking about in the first house. And so, for example, you have a Taurus ascendant. If you look at your sun sign horoscope in a general magazine for the sign of Aquarius, the astrologer who is writing that is placing Aquarius in the first house. It's just the astrologers have to place the sign in a house to be able to make their predictions. Mm. Okay. It's a way of doing it. However, if you know your rising sign, then when you look at the description for your, someone has put Taurus in the first house and that actually syncs up with your chart. And so it will be more accurate. So Aquarius in your case is in your 10th house. Got it. Great. But if you actually look at a description for Taurus, It actually matches the way your chart is set up and it aligns with how the astrologer writing that general text is looking at the chart as well. If that makes any sense. I don't know if I could explain it. If it doesn't, that's okay. It gets technical.
0: I, I, I understand it. Hopefully the audience does. I, I totally get that. Um, so because let me just kind of talk it back for, to make sure that (laughs) I'm understanding it correctly. So because, uh, with, my sun sign being aquarius and because for me using me as an example my ascendant or my rising sign is taurus because typically astrologers use the rising sign
1: as the first house as the
0: first house that is their go-to for the prediction so it makes sense to refer to your rising sign when looking at those right. pred-
1: Right. The reason why in general magazines and things people don't ask you to do that is because, you know, they they don't want a lengthy description of find your birth time, find your rising sign and then read for that. Right. So Sun sign astrology. But I will say this is what has given astrology to some extent. A bad name or a kind of a wishy-washy name, which is then folk, a a lot of people come into astrology looking at either sun sign astrology or looking at these sort of general horoscopes that are available in the back of a magazine or something like that. And it doesn't really, it doesn't hit you the way a chart reading can hit you, you know, where you go, wait a second, what's happening? So as a result of which... You know, I'm all for healthy skepticism, but it creates this very skeptical view of astrology because it's really not accurate. It's really not lining up with your chart.
0: Well, that's that's so interesting because now, now, now I'm I'm so glad I know this because now it's like okay, now I'll just look at Taurus. But also, there have definitely been times where I've looked at Aquarius, and you're trying to like fit yourself a, a, a square peg into a round hole, like you're trying to make it fit because you know you're an Aquarius you're like well maybe that I am that sometimes so it, it sounds like you know going to your ascendant sign that's kind of um, an example of really the essence of you and because
1: I would yes go ahead please
0: because those type of astrology is so general then because what you're getting is the essence then you kind of go have to go to the essence and your sun sign is not necessarily the essence of you as the rising sign does that
1: the way the way I would describe it is hmm, I would say align with your ascendant sign it will solve a lot okay your ascendant sign if I can use this word is not only is it true to your personality that's the word I will use it is also by leaning into your ascendant sign you will likely solve a lot of problems so if people are having challenges or issues what I would say to them is, look at two things in your chart. Look at what your rising sign is and try to mirror those behaviors because it's like something will just click. And the other thing, and we can look at this later, is where is your, and this is a little bit more technical, where is your north node? Because that will describe strategies that you can use. So if people are feeling out of the flow or feeling like they're not in sync or they're feeling like things are not happening and I just have five minutes or two minutes to them, I would say, What is your ascendant and are you lining up with your ascendant? I will say your sun sign is what you are in your essence, but it's a a much more personal, it's a much more internal, it's a much more subconscious thing. It's true, but ultimately lining up with your ascendant solves, it's almost like, I know this is not the right word, but I will, for the purpose of this podcast and for keeping things in general parlance, I would say it almost helps you to line up with your, you're right, with your essence, with your values, with your priorities, with what is true for you in a certain sense in the way that you navigate the world externally. Because often when we're feeling not in flow, it's not because of who we are internally. It's, It's more about how we're interacting. It's about how we're handling things. It's about how we're managing things. I think of myself, I have a Leo ascendant. When I act in accordance with my Leo ascendant, it solves a lot. It just solves a lot. I know inside I'm a sun in Sagittarius. I'm clear about that. People who get to know me well know that side of me. But the Leo ascendant, you know, whether it is the Fraser-like stuff, whatever, when I align with that, and because the sun in Sagittarius is always there, that is always easy to align with. But the Leo ascendant, I may not always align with. But when I do, it solves a lot.
0: Okay, so is it fair to say that one is more so the idea of how you see yourself in the world, and then another one is how other people see you?
1: Yes, certainly one way in which the Ascendant is described is how others see you, how they experience you when you are truly aligned and truly in sync with yourself. And how you end up seeing yourself or how others get to see you as they get to know you Would be closer to where the sun sign is it's very interesting the sun the moon and the ascendant go together and you know when you look at the sun the moon the ascendant all together it really does describe a person effectively the moon sign tells you it certainly tells me where someone's sense of emotional fulfillment and stability lies and so the moon becomes really important because as people we're constantly driving to that sense of stability if some part of the where the moon is is not right For both you and me, it falls, for example, in the career house. If something is not quite, some part of us is always like, "Mm, I'm not completely satisfied. Mm -hmm. I'm not completely content. I won't use the word happy. I'll use the word content. You know, I told you that last week I had booked this job. I went in and did it. And Sadia, what I can, all I can tell you is that because it's been a while that we've been in environments and everyone was very COVID present, very cognizant, but even when I just went in for the fitting and I left and I was just like, Oh, that felt great. And that is the thing. When I walked out, I thought, okay, it's been months since I've been able to do something like this. And now I know what it feels like to both be in alignment, but also to feel emotionally satisfied. Mm -hmm. Even if something took 40 minutes and all I was doing was changing clothes I was just in an environment that felt right and felt good. And I walked out feeling emotionally in a way that I have not entirely felt in the last seven or eight months. Now, that's true for a lot of people in different ways. So between where your sense of emotional fulfillment lies, how you shine internally, where your sun sign is, and your personality, it kind of describes as people get to know you, they will start to recognize all of that. Chances are, with your moon sign, your spouse or partner will really know and understand things like that. You know, when is someone satisfied? When is someone content? When is someone really happy? When is, you know, people who are close to you will really get a sense of that moon sign.
0: My moon sign is
1: Aquarius.
0: It's Aquarius. Gosh, that explains a lot. <laughs>
1: oh wow it is and and it's in the house of career and your is in the house of you have four planets in the house of career. it's fascinating it's fascinating
0: Four, so that means career is obviously very important to me it is
1: important it 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 shows a natural tendency to shine it's a part of the chart with the sun the way i like and where the sun is is that that part of the chart is spotlit for the entire duration of your lifetime the sun acts as a giant spotlight wherever the sun goes and the sun transits each sign for about 30 days at the same time every year. So it transits the same house, same part of the chart around the same time every year. And it spotlights it at the same time. Now, wherever the sun is going at the same time every year doesn't mean that amazing and magical things are going to happen in that part of the chart at the same time every year. But it does mean that it's spotlit subconsciously. And so for me, it's always interesting. I am always very clear and very cognizant of where the sun is, which house it's in, what that stands for, and I know somewhere, I will use this term, in the back of my mind, subconsciously, I am processing, I am thinking about that part of the chart. And it happens at the same time every year. And it's interesting how things line up. I told you this, I think, because your ascendant is in the sign of Taurus, when the sun enters the sign of your ascendant, is when, one way to look at it, is that your new year begins. And so it's really interesting. For me, it happens at the end of July. I can tell you when I moved to LA, and I was not designing any of this this way. I was not even completely conscious of it. But when I moved to LA, for example, it, it was August 1st, You know, one week after my yeah. new year started. Another apartment I moved to in LA was around the July-August timeframe. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. And then when I was working my corporate job, I would always get raises or performance reviews typically around the... August, September timeframe when the sun was in Virgo in the second house. It's just once you get attuned to these cycles, it becomes really interesting to see how things are happening. Now, as I said, the sun is imbued with a lot of magical qualities that it does not necessarily have. For me, the sun is a giant spotlight and the sun is the truth. And the sun exposes every nook and cranny in that part of the chart and there's no escaping it. And you examine everything and you look at everything. It comes from that place that is from your essence in a certain sense, but it's quieter. It's more internal.
0: It's so crazy you saying that about noticing when your year, quote unquote, starts, because I think in the chart that you did for me, you said my mine, um starts, let me pull it out.
1: Around April 22nd. Yes, yeah.
0: yes, around April 22nd. And when, when you were talking about, like, when you moved to L.A. and when these really big things happened for you, when I moved to L.A., it was... Around, it was like sort of the beginning of April, if I remember. It was, it was like March, April, that's so long ago, I can't even remember now. But I know it was around that time. Almost every big job that I've gotten has happened around May. Mm. It's so interesting hearing that. When I've moved, most of the time, it's been in May. April, late April, May, May 1st. That's (laughs) so crazy.
1: It's interesting. It's, I always pay attention to some years are bigger than others. I will always, you know, when the sun moves into the first house and the new year starts, it does feel like a breath of fresh air has somehow come into the room. You know, it feels like something is pushing you. So for me, whether it was this particular job that happened or whether, for example, it's this podcast, it's a new set of energies. It's like some years it's more dramatic. Like the the year when I signed with an agent or manager that I was with for a while, you know, it was one of those things where I was pounding the pavement in April, May, June. The interviews happened in June, but I met the agent and manager that I signed with on the same day. It was just one of these weird things. I pounded the pavement for like such a long time. And for some reason on that day, I don't know what was happening. I really should go back and look at the chart for that day <laughs> so I can understand what this magic thing was. But met both of them the same day got through the interview process, whatever that was. And then by the time the contracts and they expressed an agreement, we were at the end of July. So some years are bigger. I moved to LA, I signed with folks that I'm staying. Some years are subtler, when I started my YouTube channel as an astrologer, for example, when I started to do Facebook videos, when I maybe moved an apartment. Now, that doesn't mean for the rest of the year things don't happen. But it's really interesting as you are doing these correlations, for example, when it is that you book a big job, you know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, like even using this podcast as an example, I started that in May of this year. I had been working on it. That's a funny. year before and I was just a quick story I was having an issue pulling the trigger and once quarantine happened I was about to use that excuse as well maybe I should wait cuz nobody's going to be listening and so I would say the month of March and April for me were it was kind of like pushing a boulder up and then when the end of April may happen it was just kind of like this release so that's so and, interesting to. And
1: to- that is a great way to describe it. The month before your new year starts, I think you, you said it perfectly. It's like pushing a boulder up the month before your new year starts. So for you, that would be end of March to end of April. The sun is in the 12th house. It's the last month of your year. You are purging, you're releasing, you're dreamy, you're spacey. You can't muster the energy. It's as if after about three months of subconsciously preparing for your new year, which for you starts at the end of December, December 22nd or so, December 22nd to March 22nd, you are subconsciously actively preparing for the new year. And then March 22nd to April 22nd, it says the energy dips. And whatever you've been preparing needs time to germinate and come back to you, you know, needs time to be released, needs time to go and do its own thing and then come back and present. But you're right. That last month of the year is like pushing a boulder up.
0: Oh my God. I feel this so hard. And it, I'm I'm really grateful. Thank you. I, I'm really grateful for knowing this because I've always wondered, like we always think of the new year being January for everybody. You really don't make that personal. And now that it is personal, it really makes sense that for me, December, January, February are when I really start to, I've always felt late doing it. But that's my schedule. Oh, and that's, that's the, funny. That's interesting. Know, I, that, that's the time for me where I really start to like think about what I want to be doing, you know, like that the, the quote unquote next year. And I've always when it's happened, I've always felt late. But that intrinsically, it's always felt like good timing for me because all these things happen. And then those things caused me to really pose those big questions for myself. But I I think a part of me has also kind of kicked myself in the butt a little bit because you feel like compared to the world, because we've all been taught that the new year happens in, you know, in January, January and that is when you do this. And so for me, I always felt like, Oh, January, I'm supposed to be ready to go. But like that time for me, honestly, is when I really start to ask myself a lot of big questions and things start shifting. So I, yeah, I really don't get the results of that until the spring. So, gosh, that makes so much sense. (laughs) I'm loving this. Okay, I want to go back. I want to go back to how you got on this path. So you moved to the States when you were 17.
1: I moved to the States when I was 17. My mom used to consult with astrologers and I was into it too.
0: Now, how did she consult with astrologers for her career or just personal or?
1: Personally, career-wise, my dad also consulted. You know, the, the, As I said, the astrology thing is is present in India, the, the biggest misalignment for me always was that internally, I felt that I should be doing work that was different from the expectation. Now, this is not unusual when you're growing up in India and other cultures share too. I always, there, was, there was a disconnect between what I was being told and how things felt. And so there was always the sense if I would bring up and say, well, I really want to do more in terms of acting or there were other things. The response typically would be, it's not on the cards or it's not the right thing or whatever that was. And even when I looked at in fairness, not just, not just Jyotish, not just the Vedic or Hindu astrology, even when I would look at a chart in the way that it is cut, cut normally on Western software, it didn't click into place. Then And this was when I must have been 27, 28, something like that. I was working a corporate job in the Bay Area and a colleague said, I consult this astrologer. You're into astrology. Why don't you consult with him? And I consulted with him. And the very first thing he said to me was something to the extent of, oh, you're an actor. And it was like, it was the first time when someone was saying something to me that felt totally aligned with who I felt inside and internally. And it was the way he had cut the chart, the way he was interpreting it. And for me, because I felt like however lucrative or however interesting life was, it still felt like it was the wrong life.
0: And what were you doing? What kind of corporate job did you have at that point?
1: I was working in human resources at that time, more from an HR technology, HRIS perspective at that time, project management, really... I was in the Bay Area, and I didn't know what to do. And as I was on the wrong path, but I was still somewhat organized, whatever it was, you know, I, I fell into project management, essentially. And from there, I fell into HR technology project management, and then just kind of built a career there for a while. As I said, it was fine, but didn't feel right.
0: Right. And up until that point, had you dabbled in acting
1: I had, it's really interesting. I had dabbled in acting. I was doing community theater and stuff on the side whenever I could. It was not something I could let go of. And there were interesting, it was as if the universe did try to give me different signals to try and align, but there's so much in terms of conditioning and all of this adds up to it. You know, Whether someone tells you that it's not in your chart, whether whether it is a side, whether it's things that you're telling yourself, it's all what you believe, it's all what you take in in a certain sense. And yet at the same time, it felt like the universe was constantly trying to peek in and going, Can I give you a hint? Can I serve this? Can I, you know, I remember my very first job out of college. I remember the CEO, I was he knew that I was doing a play on the side. And I remember now so clearly sitting on the steps, and he looked at me and said, you know align with what it is that you wanted. And at that time, I just couldn't, I was just too, oh my God, I'm out of school. I have to pay my rent. You know, how and, there were, and there were issues, things going on personally from a family perspective. And there was interesting, unusual pressures there. And so now that I understand charts and now that I understand North Node placements, I can look at that and say, oh, that was all part of the challenge. Everyone has this so-called hero's journey if you, you want to look at it in those terms or whatever it is and so these kinds of obstacles or this kind of disconnection with what might be true for you what a chart is reflecting sometimes it's part of the package in terms of what it is that you're dealing with when i got my chart read by this gentleman once i got a sense of how the chart was cut and which planets were really in which houses in a way that they made sense to me is when then on the side I would say I had my job, but on the side, my passions became acting because that continued as best I could, a certain amount of singing, but also the astrology. Then because there was such an alignment with what I was feeling was misaligned, there was no bookstore that I would not pop into where I was just like, where's the astrology section? There was nothing I would not read. There was nothing I would try to piece together. I would start to look at my chart. I started to look at friends' charts, colleagues' charts who were open to it. And that one thing, it was a a good five, seven, eight years of, I would say, of a kind of immersion.
0: So that particular chart reading opened like a floodgate for you.
1: It clicked. It was the first time a chart had been presented to me in a way that resonated with what I recognized as the truth.
0: Do you remember anything specifically from that chart right now where you were like, Oh.
1: The biggest piece that I was missing was that internally I could not let the acting thing go and Mm -hmm. I could not understand it. And so when the first thing someone said to me was, are you an actor? I went, what is going on? Because it has been years of me going, but this is how I feel inside, but I'm not getting any external validation for it. That's where you need to go. Right. And then when I looked at, other places. Because as I said, I had looked at my chart even from a Western perspective in the more conventional way in which charts are cut. And I thought, yeah, I could see, you know, here's the thing about cutting a chart. If you look at a thousand charts through one system, you will make sense of it. It will make sense. So it's not a question. People get very militant about astrologers get very militant about the house systems they use and the zodiacs they use and whether they're doing it against the real constellations or the other constellations. And I'm just like, you know, if someone is using a system and they go through a ton of data using that system, they will make sense of it. It becomes really fascinating to compare because in Jyotish, for example, what's happening in one house in Western gets attributed to some extent to the next house. It's just people make sense of data. And they will become accurate. You know, they will. So it's not a question of knocking one way or the other. For me, in terms of what resonated, you know, it's a little bit like I'm on YouTube doing the astrology stuff. It's a little bit like I realize I feel like different people have different people on YouTube that they're meant to connect with and resonate with and follow. It's like there are people on YouTube and they have their Soul families or whoever it is that they hear to guide you know it 's like I will look at someone and they won 't resonate, but then someone else will resonate and it 's one of these it 's similar with the chart, but it was when I saw where the planets were placed in this particular system it 's called whole Signs, w h o l e but it 's still a western zodiac for me i 'm not getting militant about it you know everyone so this is find the your path type of chart that he used this is make. the particular chart, uh, chart he used it snapped into place, and then everything that I had read till then because astrology had been kind of an interest, but not had not developed into a passion at that point in time. But everything since that I started to read just started to make a lot more sense. I remain curious about other systems. I'm particularly curious about the sidereal system because I really feel like, why should I be placing the sun sign against a constellation it's not really against. But so far, I'm still seeing the results that I'm seeing with the way I read the chart, with the way this gentleman read the charts, is the way that I continue to get the results that seem to connect and resonate the best. Uh, So again, I think it's good to remain healthfully skeptical, especially when, you know, especially when you really, you're just like, okay, is the sun really against Aries? And if it's not, then why am I saying it's against Aries? This makes no sense. But strangely enough, you know, however it ends up working, that was what resonated. And then because I was so deeply curious to understand myself and to make, and to really get that validation, so to speak, or really to get that sense of alignment that what I was feeling inside and what I was reading from the outside aligned, I just, my initial interest from an astrology perspective was Adi, you know, then where do the transits happen? How have they affected me? What are the trends I'm seeing? And then started to get put onto other people's charts that I started to see.
0: So then once that clicked for you and you decided to dive all in with getting to know more about astrology, you, you started doing, you mentioned, you started doing like coworkers and friends. How did that really, because I imagine doing charts for so many people, you start to see trends how do you think that that increased your awareness of people and how they are leading their
1: lives? That is a great question because, you know, I think when you find some sort of metaphysical connection that connects you to something bigger, whatever that is, whatever those tools are, whatever those aha moments are, you know, whether it's a tarot card, whether it's a program on TV, whether it is astrology, whether it is, you know, there's a question of skepticism that comes into it. There's also a question of dealing with a certain kind of hypnosis that that can, you know, where, where I know that at certain times in my life, and I know certain clients will spend a lot of time pulling tarot cards and looking at different strides It's just like, it becomes almost, you go into this place of, oh, this is what's true. Then something will happen to rescue me to another life, so to speak. So, so. First and foremost, let me, because there are three or four answers, things to cover in, your, in that question. First and foremost, what happened with friends and colleagues when I started to look at the charts and talk to them is they started to come back. And that started to become really interesting. And then there was a question of coming back because it would resonate. And then it was a question of coming back and feeling awkward about it and saying, but we should start charging. And then I moved to LA, the acting, and then there were other sources of income that you know most people in the arts have to find. And need to find. So, this question of what do I start to do on the site and how do I start to do it and what what resonates. And then, as the business grew, people kept coming back, you know. And (laughs) I say that only because my own skepticism, and I remain skeptical. And what I mean by, and I think it's a healthy thing to be, I think the biggest risk with something like this is getting into a place where you get lost in it to such a perspective that you no longer have your hands on the steering wheel. I would say to anyone, Get a reading, put it on the side, and test it. You know, see what resonates for you, see what makes sense, see who makes sense. But don't take your hands off the steering wheel because that's where the magic is really happening. Ultimately, things have to align. And so, there was also in this cycle of people coming back and you getting real time data with regard to where you were right, where. Someone else feels like you're right, but you realize over time because you've looked in five or six charts that you've been circling around something, and then you're just like, oh, you refine your own interpretations. And then they, there's a strange kind of magic that happens. You know, when I started the YouTube work, you start to make connections that feel like they come out of a different place. And sorry, even in your reading, you know, it's one of those things where I said, you know, this is coming to me, so I'm just going to say it. It has taken me a while. It took me a while to get to a place where I could really go this is coming to me, so I'm just going to say it.
0: Right. Because if you, in the beginning, you, you're still interpreting the work, you don't know the person, you don't know if they're going to be comfortable with what comes out of your mouth. And, I, yeah, and, <laughs> and you I didn't want them to was, come
1: back. <laughs> and I didn't know if I was, and I did not know if I was right. So I wanted to remain very data driven, very transit driven. If I was making another connection in my mind that seemed to come from I don't know, somewhere else, let's just say your mind is working, or some people will say the higher mind is working, or some people will say it's intuition, some people will say it's bullshit, whatever it is. The bottom line is, I can be, and this is also interesting, in any given week, I will have multiple people with the same ascendant contact me. It's really fascinating. So. Really? these days are the days of the Virgo ascendance and the Scorpio ascendance. And I will look at it and I'm just like, okay, yet another Virgo ascendant, yet another. Sometimes it is that the sun is either in the ninth house or the twelfth house particularly. And that makes sense on a number of different levels. Both the ninth and the twelfth house are intuitive houses. And interestingly, the ninth house is the house of expansive thinking and who am I authentically? And the twelfth house is... God, a spirit getting ready to talk to you. So, so there are interesting trends I will notice when people come to me for chart readings with regard to what is happening in people's charts. And that becomes fun because a client is focused on their chart. I am looking at multiple charts. So it becomes really fascinating.
0: A really quick, as far as houses, what are they?
1: Like a quick description of the houses. Great. So, so, so I'll use the word body. Some people would use the word planets. Some of these are planets. Some of these are not. like the sun, the moon, Mercury, Mars, the north node, Chiron, etc. They are in a sign. So you have your sun and moon in Aquarius, you have your ascendant in Taurus, but they're also in a house. And essentially a chart, at least in a Western, one way to look at this is a chart from a Western perspective is drawn as a circle. And so astrologers cut that chart into 12 Houses, twelve sections, and it starts with the ascendant sign. so if I know that your the sign that was rising in the east was Taurus, in the way that I cut charts, the sign of Taurus is your first house. So any planets that are in Taurus, you have Jupiter and Taurus will fall in the first house. Now the first house I know stands for certain aspects of life. then the second house, the third house, the fourth house, the fifth house, based on each sign. Different astrologers have different methods. some people will start the first house. Where the ascendant starts at the first house cusp. Again, it's a different way of doing it. I'm not going to, that'll make this extraordinarily technical, so I'll stay out of that in a certain sense. But any chart, and this is true of Vedic or Jyotish astrology, Indian astrology, ancient Indian astrology, most astrological systems that I'm aware of will cut a chart into 12 sections or 12 segments. And each of those houses stand for different aspects of life. The second house may stand for your income or your resources or money in your name. The fourth house, home, land, real estate. The seventh house, partnerships or marriage. The 10th house, career or fame or popularity or calling, you know, so so that's how it tends to get split up.
0: Wow, okay. So going back to you start cutting these charts for yes. your friends, you start to see trends. Then you move to Los Angeles at some point, And at this point, I'm assuming now you are having people come back to you. At what point did you decide that you wanted astrology to be something a little bit more consistent in your life?
1: I don't know that I ever really wanted that. It was more, it felt more that I was led to it. It was almost a question of, okay, Abi. now that certain transitions have happened, have been made, and you are in L.A., and you are acting, what are you going to do on the site? And there was a lot of typical resistance. Some people advised me and said, you know, Abi, it doesn't matter how big someone is or how successful someone is as an actor. For most people, all of their income does not just come from jobs that they're working in a current year. You could be a big star. You could not be still not work for a couple of years. You know. So at the end of the day, it is not unusual for anyone following a creative profession to have multiple sources of income. Absolutely. I resisted that. I didn't fully get it. Of course, once you're in LA, you you gotta get it. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. It enforces it, it you to get that.
1: <laughs> it enforces you to get that. So, so it became this question of, okay, again, it's this question of understanding charts. So I would say that there were three major bumps for me astrologically. One was that first reading and discovering a house system that worked for me. The second was doing lots of readings and starting to interpret transits in a way that truly made sense for me and that the data supported. So for example, You know, the the conventional astrology might say that when Jupiter transits a certain part of the chart, amazing things will happen, bounteous things. You will get promoted. You will get uh millions of dollars. You know, I'm talking about Jupiter maybe transiting the career house. And what I realized was that the data showed my own interpretation, my own feeling was that there is a significant change, probably for the better or greater alignment with the person if they are ready for it. And this is what I mean by keeping one's hands on the steering wheel, and trying to maintain alignment and ownership and captainship of your own life, irrespective of what anybody or anything is telling you, because you still you know, etc., you're still in charge. But what I realized was the planets moving through a certain house meant something specific to me. They felt grounded in what I would sometimes see and read in other places. And they were consistent with my interpretations based on what people would come back and say. And they were not always consistent with sort of conventional understanding of what a transit necessarily meant. This could be true of how I talk about the sun, how I talk about the moon, how I talk about a Jupiter transit. Jupiter transit going over the 10th house could mean someone could get laid off um, as opposed to get promoted. And I would, and so, and so. That was a major, that was really exciting for me that I was just like, oh, the books are telling me this, but I'm seeing this and I'm feeling this and the data I get back is this is what it is. And so it became really exciting. It's a little bit like scrying. It's a little bit like looking at a crystal ball. It's a little bit of looking looking at a chart that has all these symbols on it. A lot of chart interpretation is data-driven this is where the planet is, what does the planet mean when it's going through this sign in this house, what aspect, blah, blah, blah. But then there's also this component of looking at a chart and I can look at two different Scorpio or two different Taurus ascendant charts on two consecutive days. And what I might say to Saudia might be different to what I'm saying to the other client based on what is coming in the moment. So it became that part of the process of getting out of my own way And letting a client come back and being open to what worked and what didn't and what was right and what was wrong, but at least getting it out there, made this sort of magical process that I'm kind of skeptical of. It made me release my skepticism and just say, you know what, I'm going to go with this because this is what is coming through. The third thing was the discovery of a part in the chart called the North Node. And that for me was enormously important. And again, it's funny how these things happen. All of a sudden, these books just entered my life. There were two books that entered my life at the same time. And they talked about this part of the chart called the North Node. And when in Western astrology. Yes, one of them is actually written for non astrologers. And I recommend it to everyone sooner or later. That's Astrology for the Soul by Jan Spiller, who I've never met, but it's a fantastic, fantastic book. The other one was a book by this Vedic astrologer named James Braha. A lot of. These astrology books that have the North Node in it are written for astrologers, and so I'm reluctant to. And and I don't remember the name of that book, but it's by James Braha. I'm sure if people did some research, they'd find the name of the book. But the challenge becomes, he has these one-page descriptions in this book of the North Node in a particular sign or a house, and it's only one page. So I feel very guilty. And also it has a certain description that hey, that's Hindu Vedic and it really feels like a book that's written more for an astrologer or an astrology enthusiast. So I am much, I, you know, I have a harder time saying, Hey, spend 15, 20, 16, 12, whatever dollars it is on this book for one page or two pages. Gotcha. So, so that's, I'd much, so that's I didn't more of a
0: resource answer. that once you understand astrology a little bit right. more, that particular book you might want to. And- right.
1: But. But that North Node placement just, you know, it was another one of these kind of breakthrough moments for me it, in terms of understanding the purpose of why you're here and what your strategy should be.
0: Right, because the as I, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, the North Node and the South Node, those are your life's journey or your soul's journey.
1: They are calculated points, but they are calculated points that are fascinatingly used in a lot of ancient astrology and given a lot of weight in it. In ancient Hindu astrology or Vedic astrology, they're treated like a planet, even though they're not. And so they clearly have a certain amount of weight for people who have been creating charts for a long time. Broadly speaking, I would say the North Node is, some people would say what it is that you're here to develop. And so it sets up, again, your hero's journey, your sense of challenge, where 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 your point of growth is, what you feel called to do, where you feel a certain sense of magic. Some people, from a more ancient perspective, it would be described as sort of insatiable hunger because you feel like you really want to move in this direction all the time. It's the dragon's head, this hungry, obsessive dragon's head. Mm. And then the south node is the tail of the dragon. Or some people would say where you kind of excrete it's it's a part of the chart where you come in the idea is that you incarnate with certain strengths certain things that are already strong in your personality and you stay in that space naturally because you're so comfortable in it but there's no growth there and over time over the course of your lifetime if you stay in that space you lose you are not fulfilled Now, from a Western astrology perspective, at least for certain astrologers, and I'm one of them, your North Node becomes really important because your sense of calling in what you wanna do and the knock on your heart or the hunger is gonna take up some of your emotional and your life space. If you are not, it will make you feel misaligned. From an ancient astrology perspective or ancient Hindu astrology perspective, the North Node is a malefic, it's a negative, because it could take you away from the safe, the conventional, you know, one of my challenges with Vedic or Jyotish or ancient Hindu astrology, actually all astrology reflects kind of the trends of its time, right? So, And of a woman, the culture also. And of a culture. So a woman with a strong Mars in certain astrological systems is somehow unfortunate or afflicted because she will not make a great wife or a great mother-in-law because she might be too strong. So that needs to be tamed right? It becomes the way. And so the north node, if you have been born into a family of doctors, and that is your dharma, and your north node wants you to be a musician, then the north node is deluding you. And the fact that you may not be quite so financially secure, the fact that it involves a hero's journey, it starts to be seen as a negative. It can take you away from your family. It can take you. So it's a lot of that has that interpretation to it. With the north node, it is really important to remain grounded with it because it does have that sense of, this is the direction I need to move. It has a pull to it. And so knowing who you are and whether you really wanna be comfortable sleeping on pavements and going out with your knapsack and slaying the dragon that is required and whatever it is, you've gotta know what, what keeps you stable and what your comfort zone is. With regard to how it is that you pursue and follow your calling. But it is an undeniably important part of the chart. Even if you're not using it to help determine career, I find in the way that it is described in a Western context, essential to know what your strategy needs to be. When I said to you, if you're feeling out of the flow and you're feeling misaligned, and we all have those moments where we feel like we're in the flow and out of the flow, I would say, if I don't have a lot of time with you, I would say, lean into your ascendant and align with your personality. Again, do anything that feels right. You know, if what I'm saying feels like garbage, put it to the side, but also then understand where your North Node is and what those strategies are that have to be applied. And I find that the moment that falls into place, then a certain amount of flow and magic can start happening again.
0: So for you, where does your North Node lie?
1: Now, this is fascinating. So my North Node is in the fifth house the sign of Sagittarius and from a career perspective the fifth house north node would denote performing and acting and the Sagittarius north node would denote intuitive work and i'm telling you as an astrologer i resisted astrology as a career once i took it on there was that moment by this time i was a professional astrologer and i was just like son of a gun It was
0: there all along.
1: I have two lines of work. <laughs> one is aligned with my fifth house north node, and one is aligned with my Sagittarius north node. Fascinating. And with the and with the Sagittarius, you know, it's rewarding in different. It's rewarding when people come back. You know, it's rewarding when people share what they share. It's 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 a different kind of. You never know. You really. This is why it's just. You you just. There are times when I feel like, oh, I'm doing one for myself, but one for others. But I'm just like, no, I'll be... What you get out of reading charts and out of astrology helps you overall. It's, it's one of these things when a certain level you really got to get your mind to take a rest and not try to figure it all out and not give your life meaning beyond a certain point because it's almost not the meaning will be there. And if you are constantly trying to interpret or find a meaning or kind of narrate your own story, sometimes you miss the real meaning that's there anyway. Yeah,
0: it's like trying to, you can't, all the knowledge that you have now, you can't really overdo it on yourself. That, and I feel like there could also be a pull to do that because you you have the capability to dissect and interpret charts in a particular manner. There could be an overuse of that there for the purpose of yourself, But you also have to resist that because a part of the journey, as you said, is being in the driver's seat. And if you allow that to just keep going back to the charts all the time and interpreting, 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 well, then now you're out of the driver's seat. At some point, you have to kind of let yourself be in the journey instead of constantly taking yourself out and doing these things. So I I totally get that there has to be a balance of using it when necessary, but also allowing yourself to step back and be in the moment and take from those lessons that are in the moment as well.
1: Let me put it this way, and I know this sounds like a bad business move on my part, but it is genuine. I think that when you are aligned and when you understand yourself and when you are truly and totally grounded, you really don't need anything else your own sense of compass, and your own sense of realization of what works and what does not work is good enough. Now, in my case with the North Node and Sagittarius, I am a naturally intuitive person and my growth is intuitive. However, I have a tendency to constantly negate my intuition. And you can hear it even here. Oh, I do the astrology. I resisted the astrology. I do it, but it gives me so much more. But, you know, I think I do it this way. And I will look at my chart. I will get the signs. I will get the intuition, but I am wired because my South node is in Gemini. I am wired to not trust my intuition and I am wired to override my intuition with logic. Uh So as I said, I've learned to get out of my own way and trust the intuition that happens and say what comes to me when I'm looking at a chart. Some part of it is looking at the six. Some part is I am looking at the sign and then other connections are being made and I'm just going to say what's coming in the moment. And so I'm realizing... It's the direction that I need to move in. It's my own strength. If I stay in the overriding intuition with logic part, as much as I'm wired to do it, it doesn't work and it's not fulfilling and it's not exciting and there's no growth. And if anything, there's a kind of a loss associated with that. Yes. So again, it's very much part of that path. The same is true to some extent of the acting, which is it's an, it's a, in the, with the fifth house, there's a need to go for the limelight, so to speak and not get so mired in the, am I good enough, am I not, who am I to believe that this could be something I go for, or I should just sing in the chorus, So I should just do that, as opposed to, no, 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 take that step, you know, just take that step. You know, someone used this phrase, I can't remember where it came to me, but it was, it was about maintaining alignment with, you know, maintaining alignment with the process and not with the results, sort of, you know, just what is the next right step? So when someone has a North Node in the fifth house and I know they want to be a songwriter and it becomes this overwhelming thing about, Oh my God, will I do this? And what does this mean? And you're wired if you have the North Node in the fifth house to kind of think I will never be able to do this because it's so bad. And I'm just like, find a coffee house that has an open mic. It's all you need to do. Just yeah. take that next step. The rest, it's about aligning with that thing where your soul kind of wants to grow and experience and just allowing yourself to do that. So in my case, some of that has to do with the intuitive side as well. And there's growth, and that's the part that is interesting. But coming back to the point, why it is that I turn to astrology and why I feel that other people turn to astrology or etc., et cetera, is because we are, as adults, often out of our comfort zones. And it's terrifying. And so you look for this meaning. And then when you find a process, a substance that gives you this meaning or sense of connection to something bigger, and you can't understand why, in a universe that is so big on a planet where there are so many people, you could be so significant that you have charts and things that make sense of you and make you feel so important. You know, this constant quandary we have of am I significant or am I not significant? If I were to pass away tonight from my heart in the world would carry on as if I was never here. So how can I be significant? And yet when I look at my chart or I look, I feel like some attention is being paid to me. You know, so this kind of weird quandary a paradox of being significant and insignificant at the same time that we carry with us all the time, which is, no, I feel like this is important. So I think that when we have that sense of alignment and when our own sense of compass is there and we are present and we're seeing what is working and what is not working, I think it's like the aim of any good teacher is to get someone to move towards a path or give them the tools to become independent of you. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of skeptical of programs where I I will find that people are going back and doing workshop after workshop, after workshop, after workshop, there's my Gemini South note talking. (laughs) And I'm just like, how many workshops do you need to do before you can become functional? You know, How many cruise ships do you go? And some of this is being done out of passion because some people just love to be in that spiritual space. I'm like, awesome. But how much of it is the same with folks who will talk to me about my YouTube channel and some other YouTube and I'm just like, how many hours a day are flowing by while you're looking at tarot cards? And, you know, it's like, no, when are we going to start the process of living?
0: Yeah. And there's, and there's a comfort in that. Like you said, that comfort is the tail of the dragon. Right. You know, and some people, I think you may not feel that it's comfortable because it feels like, oh, it's enlightening, like I'm learning something, I'm doing this. But also, like you said, there's a certain level of comfort by staying in there and not actively allowing yourself and trusting yourself to do the work that is necessary.
1: And to let the chart and the astrology and the tarot become a tool that you use, that you lean on, that you rely on, that is there to serve you. Now, even as a skeptical astrologer that enjoys what he does, and especially at the time of quarantine lockdown, it's a primary source of income. So you know, all that, I will tell you, I'm repeatedly reminded that the chart does not lie. I will have a session with a client or I'll be talking to a client and I'll say, this is what I'm seeing, and they will negate it, or they will say, no, I'm not seeing that, I can't see this coming, and it happens. And so I'm reminded constantly that the chart does not lie. More importantly, the power of new moons and full moons and feeling them energetically and recognizing where they're happening in a chart and which house they're happening in, there's enough data that comes to us that gives us validation that this could be a tool that makes sense. So then the question for me becomes, depending on each client and depending on how much they, what they want to do and how much time they want to give to something. The question becomes is, am I a place where they come to consult and that's all it is? Or in certain cases, certain people take to, you know, it's a question of can I attune you to certain things in certain cycles so that you can start to look at it and it becomes a tool that you use, but you still have that hand on the, you know, it becomes another thing that you can turn to, to go, Is this what it is? Is this what is happening? Son of a gun. It is. Okay. Then, you know, why it is that Jupiter all those miles away should have any influence on anything. I do not know, but it does. (laughs) It's the most bizarre thing, you know? Okay. I want to go back
0: talking about North nodes because I want to talk about my chart just uh, quickly and where my North node falls.
1: So part of the thing that is so interesting about the North Node, again, that feels very true to life, is that the same strategy and the same advice does not fit for everybody. So if, like in your case, you have the North Node in the 6th house in the sign of Libra, if someone had their North Node either in the 12th house, the opposite house, or in the sign of Aries, it would be the opposite strategy that would work for them. And this, again, as an astrologer, as I grew, I grew to enjoy because... People will often, spiritual advisors, parents will always say, well, this is what you should do. This is the right thing to do. And I find that that opposites exist. Some people have to learn to let go, and some people have to learn not to let go. And in your case, it becomes this question of, because the North Node is in the sixth house, the biggest characteristic for me with the North Node in the sixth house is that so long as you are rolling up your sleeves and finding or talk about keeping your hands on the steering wheel. You know, it's not a let go and let God lifetime. A balance always has to be struck. It's not a, I'm going to dream and stare into space and things will magically fall into place. It is a, I'm going to wake up at this time and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to, I'm going to leave time for this and if this happens and I'm going to manage this, the magic, this is the irony. Because people think magic happens when you stare into space and you think and you dream and you're trying to manifest. With your chart, the magic happens when you execute on the mundane. The magic happens when you have your calendar organizer in front of you and you have The magic happens for you in the process of execution. The magic happens for you in the process of manifestation, which is that you do the work, you prepare as best you can, you show up. You execute, you do the hard work, and then you don't even have to let it go because chances are when you're in your strategy, you will move on to the next thing. And then whatever it needs to fall into place needs to fall into place. And and the North Node alignment becomes critically important between the ages of 38 to 44, the so-called midlife crisis years. And I do not have your birth year here, so I do not know whether you're there or not, but it doesn't matter. But the bottom line is, those are the years when we all know we are mortal, and we all know our body will go through changes, but somewhere between the ages of 38 to 44, it becomes undeniable. And you have those, oh, crap moments. Like, I knew this was going to happen to me, but I, wow, it's happening to me. And so the clock is ticking. And yeah. so it becomes this question of rightness. And I find that if people align with the North Node, they have a better chance at a more fulfilled second half of life than not. And questions of authenticity, doing what feels true to you, aligning with the right strategies, um, you know, around this time, it can be a rebellious time. Well, it's a midlife crisis, you know, is when people make these sub can make really drastic decisions. And it's really just a quest for greater authenticity. The pressure becomes really big enough that they really feel compelled to make these changes. So wherever these changes occur, there may have been a tendency or there could be a tendency with the south node in the 12th house to be either overly spiritual or well you're a mom you don't get that chance anymore to, <laughs> to, to, to be able to put your feet up and dream but 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 there is this idea of execution focusing on getting things done you have 24 hours a day how do you serve yourself how do you serve others is what i will always say with the sixth house your chores, your job, your responsibility, your health, your self-care, your diet, 24 hours in a day, what does that mean to Saudia? And how does she balance that? And mm-hmm. it is in the balancing and the execution of that, that ironically, the magic will happen. With the North Node and Libra, interestingly, it becomes a question of focusing on partnership, marriage, committed relationships, business or personal, and finding the right balance between you and the other person. And in your case, maybe even putting the other person first. As we talked in our reading, there can be a tendency with the south node in Aries to not know that you can come across as a, and it's so funny because in my interactions with you, it's not something that I would necessarily see, but those who are in committed partnership with you may realize that you subconsciously can fall into the position of the person who is driving the relationship or driving life for you and your partners. And over time, There can be a tendency to attract partners who are more, I'll use the word passive, but over time, they're also fulfilling their role in your soul contract because they will become your partner. But over time, if you're not careful, tensions can emerge where they feel like they're constantly having to give, give, give. People I know with the South Node, either in Aries or the first house, always have a sense of bewilderment, surprise, even hurt that other people think of them as being somehow selfish. It's just that, as I described to you, there are people, I describe the world into low pain threshold and high pain thresholds, people who go in and fix things and people who will be sweet and nice and not fix things because it's a polite thing to do. And there can be a tendency with the North Node in Libra, the 7th house, and South Node in Aries, the first house, to be a low pain threshold person, which means that your meter for knowing what needs to be fixed and knowing what needs to be done and what's going to work is strong enough that you take the lead and can be perceived as overriding your partner. But the lesson is ironically by putting the partner first, whatever that might mean in each specific case, the Partnership blossoms, the partnership blossoms. And there is that sense of magic around it. Jan Spiller's book. It really is, as I said, never met her, never done a real, you know, whatever it is that, that really is a great, great resource. Um, you will need to know your birth time to get, there's a house and a sign. In her book, you can see which sign the, um, your north node falls in, but to know your house, you'll need to know your birth time, and you'll need to know how to pull up a chart and all that kind of stuff. But yeah.
0: So we know that, for me, my south node is in Aries, but also it's in
1: the 12th house. And what does the 12th yeah. house represent? The 12th house represents, it's the last house of the zodiac. It represents, for me, it's the house where God talks to you. Now, God can talk to you in various ways. God can talk to you through karma and results. God can talk to you. It's also the house of a timeout. Do you remember when we said that the last month of the year feels like you're pushing a boulder up a hill? Yeah. It's because your soul goes into timeout. So it's the part, dreams and messages, intuitions, staring into space, sitting by the pool, reading a book, being in isolation. So, monasteries, hospitals, prisons have all been associated with the 12th house, interestingly in Vedic astrology. And I will still look to the 12th house for this long distance travel, where the idea was that you were in an environment where you did not have your family, you did not know anyone, you probably didn't speak the language and it was an isolating experience. And by virtue of being this kind of isolating experience, you learned things that were expansive. God talked to you, you, you know, the 9,000. To, so it's even long distance travel as a sense of being a timeout. Um, we have a different perspective of long distance travel now, but more in an ancient right. sense. So it, music is associated with the 12,000 in some ways. So if you know, and as I said, this is hard to do as a mom, but if you know that some part of you could put on your headphones and get lost in space for hours, doing certain things, or listening to so if that, that tendency or that potential was there, there can be a tendency to become a little depressed, to become a little, I'll use the word dopey. I would just say how you feel when it's an uphill thing where you just feel like, I'd much rather just sit by the pool and read a book. I'm just going to let it go. And it's not a let it go lifetime. And so there's a tendency to get to that place. But the secret to getting yourself out out of it is by saying, I am feeling this way and I will gently pull out my organizer and I will start to see what I need to do to get myself out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it is in the doing and the execution that the clouds can lift the clouds don't lift if you just do nothing and think they will man yeah
0: that's my life (laughs) in a nutshell no I mean this reading has really been an eye-opener for me and like you said I am also looking at it trying to be you know taking certain things with a grain of salt You know, but also letting things play out the way they should, because there are certain things that I don't see yet in the chart, but I know that they'll become clear to me over time. But now hearing, especially in terms of my North node and my South node, because I absolutely with the South node, I have a tendency to, when I get overwhelmed with life, I tend to withdraw. That's my go-to. You know, friends, if you don't hear from me for a while, that's why, you know, I'm not a big phone talker. Oddly enough, I have a podcast. But, you know, those are definitely tendencies I have, I think, that deal with my modes of communication that we were also talking about. And I think just using the past couple of months as an example, having a list and being very strategic has really helped me. So I know that that strategy works for me and it works really well. So this, what I get from this is that to continue leaning into it. And when I have those moments, like you said, of wanting to fall back and resist that because it feels overwhelming, I have to actively really think about how that particular strategy of dealing with my life with the list making or the listing of goals, that that is the thing that kind of draws me out of that mode.
1: If someone had, and this is, here's what becomes interesting, because someone listening to this could say, well, isn't that the right strategy for everyone? And it is not. Let me explain. If someone had their North node in the 12th house, they would have a tendency to overdo. So I'm thinking of a specific client right now who has to learn how to let go because it's almost like there's a natural tendency to not leave room for anything to happen on its own accord. And the frustration can build up because this is not happening. And I don't know, I'm doing everything. I've done everything and I've done it and I'm not hearing and I'm, this is not happening. and the. Advice oh my God. Is, I have a
0: friend like that. I need to send her right. to you.
1: <laughs> and the advice is, so it becomes, this is, this is where the North, the fact that two people could have totally, you know, Someone could have, I could be given the advice to say, Abby, trust your intuition, trust the bigger picture. But someone could come with a North Node in Gemini as opposed to a North Node in Sagittarius. And I would say to them, don't over rely on your intuition. Do not do astrology readings. Do not pull tarot. Pay attention to what is happening around you. Pay attention to the feedback that you're getting. Because if you're so lost in your own intuition, the bigger picture, you will lose. Right. And so it becomes this thing of, You know, it's the sixth house, twelfth house, it's the difference between a control freak and someone who can have a tendency to be so uncontrolled that they can sit in the same spot for like hours in a day and the garbage can pile up on the side and they can be on their way to becoming, you know, a Sufi saint. They could release to such an extent. And so it is that polarity between, and in your case, I would say lean more towards the wrong phrase to use, but take it with a sense of humor lean more towards the control freak lean more towards that and to someone with the opposite placement i would say can you just let it go right because you're giving it no time you're practically chasing it away by running after it the way you're running after it you know in your case it's almost an encouragement to say you construct this and as i said the irony is that it's in the execution that all of a sudden it's like the magic starts to happen and Things pop and the solutions emerge and the phone call happens and because you took the action yeah. and the action can be so small and yet that's, that's the fun and that's the surprise of it, that you feel like you're in the flow all of a sudden and manifestation and creation is happening, not by dreaming or letting it go, but in your case, by the execution, by paying that bill, by making that phone call, by taking that next step.
0: No, I love that. Okay. I want to get into, because I know we got to wrap up soon. I want to get into uh, your YouTube page. Okay. First of all, how did that evolve? Why did you decide
1: to do YouTube videos? It was a mysterious evolution. It It evolved when Jupiter was transiting my third house. And I, again, as an astrologer, I'm constantly surprised by my own chart and what happens in my own life. I decided for some reason with the astrology that one day... I was, now it looks like a natural next step because it was a space, the more charts I started to read professionally, the more a certain amount of my day is spent thinking about transits and what is going on. It's just where it goes. So if I read a certain number of charts in succession, I am thinking about those charts. So, you know, my clients now know that after I'm done a reading, I might send them a small voicemail. I might send them something, I'm still kind of dripping like a tap. So let me close this out and let me get this out there because I'm still thinking about what you asked and here's a response. And it's not about being a nuisance. It's actually about just doing that one thing to finish it up. But more importantly, the general stuff remains. And so I was driving around and I just decided, and this was hard, the first few were horrible. And I just did Facebook Live for the fun of it and it was facebook live so it was unscripted and it would happen around new moons and full moons so i just started to do these general facebook live videos and again i would get positive feedback on them and then of course some folks were like oh you should be on youtube you should do this you should do that etc and again i resisted because of course i do and then you know and then i started the youtube channel largely as a place because it is a friendlier platform to host and put videos and share them and where people can go. And again, it became this question of, is this something that can be monetized? Because as you know, from an acting perspective in LA, social media, YouTube, all that kind of, you know, you're constantly being challenged to think about ways in which you could use social media to either be creative or to build a platform or to bring yourself visibility, etc. Those weren't primary considerations as much as because it's not like my channel has tons and tons of followers. I don't push it that much either. There are a number of YouTube astrologers out there, and their way of presenting content is much more streamlined and steady. I go out there and put videos as and when I feel like it. But when I say, you know, at the very least, there's at least one video a week, if not more, you know. So it started off as being new moon and full moon videos, and now I just do them more and more and I enjoy the process more. More than anything else, it's a let off for me to let off what is I am processing as the energy of the time on a day-to-day basis and gets conveyed and gets communicated in a way that I hope is useful to others. So, But that's the evolution of it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay, I wanna get into the bigger world because I know on your, your YouTube videos, that's what you mostly deal with. And your most recent video, I didn't get to watch it, but the title of it, I was like, oh, oh, I want to hear about this. And then I never got to go back to it.
1: <laughs> That's, okay. That's okay. So
0: let's talk about it. Uh, let's talk about, you know, now that we're in this political climate, we're in quarantine, we got Rona, you know, around how as individuals and collectively can we all interpret these things around us for the fall?
1: I think the energy is challenging and tricky. In 2016, when Donald Trump got elected, I remember, now again, because this is what I do, I resisted any kind of political predictions or any kind of social commentary on my, what was then Facebook Live going onto YouTube stuff. On the day of the election, everyone, every publication, the New York Times, everyone was so sure what the outcome would be. And I thought, <laughs> well, let me look at the charts. Right. And what was striking to me was on that day, Donald Trump had a full moon in his 10th house of career. And when I looked at Hillary Clinton's chart, it pointed more towards going into a kind of retirement. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. But because my tendency to override my own sort of intuition, but it was again, one of these watershed moments where I thought, I think he's going to win, but I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to, but because I have to be wrong. Everyone is right about it. And of course, by the evening, we knew where things were going. Now, it's an interesting place for things to be election-wise because his chart actually gets, interestingly, stronger and more public over the next four years. So the idea that we're feeling right now with regard to is there a chance and a possibility that he could get elected, there is. Biden's chart is a little bit more engaged than Hillary Clinton's chart. Kamala Harris's chart is even more engaged. Now, that is an interesting chart because my bigger question is where is she going to be in four years' time? Interesting. Here's how I would describe the larger battle in the works. The larger battle in the works is that between the middle of March and the end of June, Saturn briefly, Saturn is in Capricorn right now. It's been in Capricorn since December 2017. Saturn moves through Capricorn and then briefly, and really how it moves it is it goes direct, it goes retrograde, it goes direct, it goes retrograde, it goes direct, it goes retrograde. And then briefly between the middle of March to the end of June, it moved into Aquarius. Aquarius is a sign of, well, as you, as as you would know and feel Aquarius is a sign of discernment, equality, progress, Mm -hmm. but it's not, you know, when we think about the age of Aquarius, we sometimes give to Aquarius the, the sort of sign feeling of Pisces. Aquarius is very rational, very discerning. It's still ruled by Saturn along with Uranus and it is very, it's, progress that is immeasurable that is logical so if there is no reason to see why people should be treated unequally it will protest it's not piscean mother teresa elizabeth taylor let me love you and flood you with love and compassion it is there's a problem here how can i solve this this doesn't make sense sometimes dealing with someone with a strong aquarius is that butter will not melt you know how we have different ways of sometimes being mentally casual Saying someone, the sign of Aquarius is very, sometimes getting into it with someone with the sign is just like, oh my God, you're giving me a headache. You're not letting me. And Aquarius is like, no, this is not making, until it makes sense, I'm not going to let it go of it. Right. What is striking to me with Saturn in Aquarius, and Saturn is one of the rulers of the Aquarius, was the amount of focus on revolution, social reform. And then Saturn moves into Aquarius along with Jupiter for good in December 2020. And so one outcome that I think of is, is it possible that Trump gets elected? And that sends us into a two and a half odd-year period of social protest mm. where the middle of March to the end of June were signals. Now, the full moon for Trump around election time, again, is in the 10th house of career. The 10th house of career, it's fame, it's popularity. It could mean success, it could also mean failure. Yeah. For Biden if the charts, and these are all charts that I see publicly, so I'm going to trust that the birth times are correct. They may not be. For Biden, it is in the part of the chart that has to do with work and service. So I'm a little intrigued and a little grateful because this tells you what I, the outcome I want. And with Kamala Harris, there's certainly the universe is giving her clues this year and next year as to where it is that she can shine, although she will go through a period, if her chart is correct, in 2022, where whether it's Caretaking or this, it's stuff that she has to deal with that puts her behind the scenes a little bit more. So that's why I'm very curious as to where she ends up four years from now. It's like she's going to be moving more to it. It's as if, it's as if the rest of this year and next year give us a sense of where she can shine and she has to shed certain things then. So that in, in about three odd years' time, four odd years' time, she really starts to get pulled into the limelight again. In Biden's case, issues related to health service are there. In some ways, one could argue that it is a weaker chart than Trump's in terms of public profile, but I'm still, part of it is my own, what I want the outcome to be is definitely mudding into this. Right. Part of it is also recognizing the way he's fighting things is in a less public way than Trump is. Trump's trickiest time period is now, if he makes, because right now there's a lot of, in his own chart, there's a lot of dealing with what I will call conspiracies, hidden things working behind you, your own karmic consequences. If he makes it through the second half of this year, it, it is going to be, for the people who are not aligned with his presidency, it is going to be a challenging three or four years ahead. The question in a certain sense becomes if that becomes the outcome, then is it almost necessary because it is what is needed? It's the crisis that is needed to move us towards a certain kind of social reform right. that is going to require a bit of a fight. Yeah. What is becoming clear and obvious even as the election continues, the election process continues, is I'm not going to be dramatic enough to say things like civil war, but there's enough opposition, there's enough protectionism in the works in the country that that people are certainly very, very threatened by what I would call certain progressive values. And the the spirit of revolution and the spirit of Aquarian inquiry is something that is needed across the board. So let's say that Biden is elected, then some of this Aquarian revolution could be us understanding what it means to be progressive, undoing what has been in place for the past few years, et cetera. So it's it's a tricky and a nail biting finish Here's what I noticed. Saturn, as I said, goes direct retrograde, direct retrograde, keeps moving. So since 2017 Capricorn, briefly it moved directly into Aquarius, but then it went retrograde. And then it moved on around end of July, end of June, beginning of July, back into Capricorn, a much more conservative sign. And the moment Saturn moved back into Capricorn, I started to see personally the impact of people who were either independent or even anti-Trump in a couple of cases, buy into narratives that are to me bizarrely and curiously compelling to people, even though I'm not compelled, the slightly QAnon type, Mm -hmm. the things that are beneath the surface, someone I talk to relatively regularly surprised me by, by somehow being anti-Black Lives Matter in ways that, you know, ways that didn't really make sense, but then these things are deep seated. And, It's when the surface, you're just like, oh, so this is what is driving you. And this was someone who was anti-Trump. This is, this is what is driving you in this direction. Somebody else who for personal reasons doesn't entirely trust the loop. And it was really what the moment Saturn moved in here, I thought, oh, this is a battle. You know, Saturn is now back into a conservative sign that wants to conserve and wants to, you know, the astrology in the second half of this year is full of strife and turmoil and pushing and pulling. With coronavirus, the astrology that certainly expanded the virus comes back into play, continues to be in play till about November 25th. So I'm very curious. I can't believe that as we head towards December, the clouds will burst and we will just go out back to hugging each other. But the question I almost have is what happens by the end of this year that provides us, this is my hope, some sort of clarity with regard to how it is that we can actually move forward. Right. Even from a vaccine, et cetera, perspective, there's a part of me that prays that whatever is brought forth is, you know, the appropriate due diligence is done so that, so that it truly is effective and, and it, it, all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's till November 25th, it's very much in play in terms of the ebbing and the expansion now what the, the thing about November 25th and then moving beyond it, I keep wondering is whether something will occur that will show us how some sort of healing can occur, how we can better manage or effectively manage things. So, so do the you, turmoil you is there. Go ahead. That
0: tw- the 25th, November 25th, that whatever happens at that point
1: from that point is positive from that point forward. Yes. Insofar as the energy starts to dissipate. Okay. Um, It remains till the end of the year. It remains till the end of the year. It's really when we get to 2021, the energy starts to progressively dissipate. Heading towards November the 25th, as far as I'm concerned, is the last date of the kind of expansion that has put us all in this kind of terror, whether some people buy into the terror or not. And then after November the 25th, by the middle of December, Jupiter and Saturn meet once again, they head into Aquarius, and it's really into next year when the energy starts to dissipate. The election is a tough one for me to call. I was hoping that I would see more signs of, I was hoping that something would emerge that took Trump down. Of course. And it hasn't, it hasn't so far. And the thing that I'm clear about is that his chart does get stronger. Now, getting stronger in terms of visibility, the 10th house is a really interesting place. In most cases, the 10th house as we move towards it, and his eclipses are gradually moving towards it. That's why I said it's a chart that over the next three years gets stronger. And, and the process of getting stronger actually starts close to the end of the year. But stronger could mean greater visibility. You know, now, if he loses, he and that family is going to have to do something to, to figure out how they're going to deal with the kind of scrutiny. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it could, and it deal could with mean that scrutiny. also mean that. It could mean more infamy. It could be more It could
1: mean a trouble. fall.
0: yeah it could fall beginning of the fall but oh wow that's so interesting because i too hope that there would be more clarity but i definitely could see where it could go either way like those points that you brought up it could mean that he could win again and you know all of this social turmoil all of this activism is just going to be reactivated in next year at some point
1: As we head into next year, what we saw in terms of a sense of urgency between the middle of March to the end of June in 2021 and twenty-one and twenty-two becomes even more urgent and even more important. It becomes sort of imperative that we focus on issues of social equality and rational progress, but real progress, Aquarian progress. You know, the, the things that we associate with Sort of conventional ideas of the age of Aquarius and the kind of revolutionary things say, that the sixties and seventies brought, but without the, without the Piscean getting lost in the drug, t- you know, it's, it's a very ground Aquarius is a, Aquarius is a very grounded sign. So it really makes me wonder how it is when we have both Saturn and Jupiter in Aquarius next year, how that will show up.
0: Yeah. It's, I, I could see it both ways. I could see him winning and that, even pulling us more into this time of, of turmoil and social activism, but also thinking about what if he loses and then Trump be, turns into more infamy and his success is, or his, his profile is more a profile of infamy, more of him trying to avoid prison time, trying to do this, trying to do that. And then, far, presidentially, it's Biden and us realizing that we really have to dig into progressive ideas in order to get what we need done. Because most of us that are going to vote for him know that for us, he wasn't the choice, but he's the means to an end. So it could also mean that, that that particular decision of him winning has us dealing even more with what is progressive politics to us, What does it mean to us? Like how you said the Aquarian ideals of how that aligns with what social justice is and the ideals that we represent. So yeah, it's so interesting.
1: You know, there's just this mystery. One thing is really fascinating. For example, I have clients who will be talking to me a fair amount. and I have to remind them and I say, no one is so like, you know, there are certain questions that you get asked as an astrologer. There's the astrology of death, for example. And I always have to say, I have learned that there are things that when I get close to them, God of spirit reminds me who has the upper hand. It's like, Abhi, you think you're going to know the secret to this? Really? I'm going to cloud it for you. It is not <laughs> meant for you to know. So, you know, especially when it comes to certain things like the astrology, of, you know, it's like there are times when there are areas where I will go into where I can feel very clearly this kind of present or whatever it is like, no, sorry, I know you're going into this. i let you know this much, but I'm not gonna let you know this much. And um, And it is interesting because sometimes with clients, I have to say, and this is why it is important to keep your hand on the driving wheel. It's important to think about things like the golden rule, do unto others. It's important to think about karma. And I'm not saying that in a negative way because I struggle with it as much as anyone else does. I have my own areas of growth, et cetera. So I feel out of the comfort zone all the time. That's why I was looking at my chart and getting readings in the first place. But there is this notion of you can look at charts, et cetera, all the time, but no one is given the luxury. And this becomes an especially challenging conversation to have with a client or clients who are spending a lot of time on this kind of stuff, or frankly money on, on my services or other people's services to say, You can do all of this, but you still are not going to be able to predict your life on a moment by moment basis in a way that you know in advance exactly what is going to happen. That's just not Not the way this is going to work. And if anything, one of the things that becomes really intriguing is that if you overuse the tool, as I said, I find that people stop living or paying attention to the overall messages or paying attention to the lessons or paying attention to what the chart is asking them to do because the doing just goes right out the window. So it's almost like there's no longer any point in getting a consultation because you already know what needs to be done, but there's this barrier resistance between you and what needs to be done. And if you do it, what you're dreading can go away. But if you keep staying in the predictive space and you keep seeing that a train is heading towards you, but you keep staying in that predictive space and you never do what it is that a chart of something is telling you to do. So it's, yeah, this is what, yeah, this is where I'm not a big fan of sort of people saying, oh, this is the work of the devil and this is the work of this or the work of that. But I'm just saying, you know, anything that we give our power away to, you know, I don't think that's why we're here. I think it's a tool for empowerment. It's a tool for clarity, but it's yeah, a it's tool a part for of,
0: it. It's a part of your toolbox. It's, it's just something you use to create a little bit more awareness. Like you said, it's not a prediction. You are not Nostradamus. It is just a tool. And if you think of it like that and, use it in that manner where you still, it is your life, you make the decisions, as you said, you are in the driver's seat, then I feel like this particular tool can serve you very well as long as you know that you have autonomy over what is happening in your life. It's just, it's a map.
1: It's a map. It can also be really exciting. And it it can end up giving and providing meaning. Yeah entirety in that regard yeah
0: i know you gotta go because it's we've went way over but i've this has been amazing because i just love hearing all about this stuff for a couple questions for the fall now we're in beginning of september so september through the end of the year if you had to give this time one word or one sentence what would you call it
1: here's what i would say There are periods when certain planets are, we've all heard about retrograde planets and direct planets. There are times in any given year when things move forward and there's what I will call forward movement and when things are stagnant. August, middle of July, to where we're at about right now, forward movement, but not decisive and conclusive forward movement. Almost feels like a bit of a set of series of, you can feel the chain, you can feel things moving. And for certain people, things have moved they have just not snapped into place. The chart and the planets move in very interesting ways. They create forward movement, and we as human beings resist it. And we think, oh my God, it's moving too fast. Where is this going? I don't understand. Things in turmoil, et cetera, et cetera. And then planets go retrograde, and we go, nothing is happening. Everything's so stagnant. <laughs> Mars goes retrograde on September the 9th in a week's time, and then Mercury goes retrograde in October. And those are time periods for us to adjust to everything that has been moved around in August. And then from the middle of November to the end of the year, beginning of January, it is all systems go. So I would say for some people, changes in August are significant changes that have been announced that could be unnerving, possibly exciting, mostly unnerving. Other people, it's more set of feelings, it's more set of anticipation, it's more sense of alignment, it's more sense of where do I go. Things are moving in a way they were not moving in May and June. And things have moved from the middle of July in August. Things, strangely enough, moved when we were in lockdown quarantine in April after Mercury went direct and the personal planets were direct. The world today looks in terms of the way technology is used, Zoom is here, you know, things moved during that time. You know, it's funny, we were in lockdown, but the forward movement was immense. And by the time we were done with that, there were companies who were saying, we're going to let people work from home from here on. I mean, there was that is forward movement. You could be in lockdown and there can be forward movement that is enormous. And then our bodies and our minds and our values kind of have to go retrograde, kind of take in what has happened here and try to find our way to adjust to it. So the decisive forward movement, the hurtling forward, forward movement that we're all looking for. And when it happens, we're going to, Scream and shout about it is going to happen from the middle of November. Increasingly, I would say, looking at around Thanksgiving in December, strange time for it to be happening and into January. Yeah. Pay attention to what has happened in August and is happening now. Think about what is moved or has moved or has given you a sense of an intimation of movement. And then be prepared over the next two or three months to be in adjustment land, to be prepared to go over things from the past so that you can going over things from the past, the second half of this year is very much about tying up things that have been in place since the middle of July 2018 and making room for things that are trying to come in and have made their presence felt since April the 5th of this year. And so the second half of this year is very much a transition. The pressure is on to finish up, whether it is through availing of opportunities, whether it is through constructing boundaries, whether it is through releasing things that are no longer serving us, There are certain lessons that we've been meant to incorporate since the middle of July, 2018. Do it now, finish it up, take the action, let it go and then welcome whatever it is that is starting to come through starting about September the 30th. We're really going to feel the news start to take hold and then November and December and the timing, you know, you can't make it up, works with the elections, doesn't it? You know, it's just like we're waiting for that. We're waiting to know, where the world is gonna be politically, where the United States is gonna be politically, and I would imagine certain parts of the world are trying to figure out where the United States will be politically. And that will give us a roadmap for what we gear up and muscle up to do.
0: Yeah, and for you personally, what, do you, what work do you feel like the rest of the year contains for
1: yourself? That is a great question. You know, from, as you know, from an acting perspective, we're still waiting to see things seem to be slowly opening up. And then you also hear the news bulletin. There was something in the news yesterday about a commercial shoot and an assistant director who caught the virus at a commercial. So there's this kind of forward-backward thing that's going on. You know, I think for me, more than anything else, I want to be done with this. Since the move to L.A., there are, I still have some boxes that I brought with me from San Francisco. Still, um, how
0: long has it still. been?
1: It's been like six years, oh my and God. so there's a part of me that's just that really wants to be done with some of the things that I'm carrying and carrying forward. Yeah. I can feel that things are lifting for all of us. I can feel. I, I would imagine you can too. It would be surprising if we're not finding solutions for figuring out how to move forward, even if it's limited by the end of this year. Now, whether it is being open to a veil of opportunities in a certain way, from an astrology perspective, it's really interesting there. There are, you know, there are ideas and thoughts that I have, again, around, you know, the business side of you is constantly evolving. So you're thinking about, you're thinking about your clients and especially clients that have been with you for a while and where people are at and what we need at any given point in time. So part of it is my own growth and what are the things that I really want to focus on and continue to learn and grow on. I'm very intrigued by me comparing predictions with the tropical zodiac, the way the Western astrologers do the zodiac and the Indians, it, that becomes an area. There are a few other things in terms of life cycles that I really want to continue to research and see where that goes. I'm also very intrigued by the notion of the idea of how can, and other astrologers have done this before, how can a certain amount of information be made available so that it can be used in such a way that people become more and more independent and get attuned to a certain way of looking at charts and becomes more interesting to them. And so it's available to them and they need to, so that the consultations can have a different feeling or a flavor. So we we'll, it'll be interesting to see how that grows.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So to end, I always like to ask people where, where can people find you? Let's put it out there, the YouTube, the, I know you're on Facebook, but as far as astrology, if someone wants a, a, a reading, a chart reading, where, can they find Abby?
1: So, my email address is a certain light astro, A C E R T A I N L I G H T A S T R O at hotmail.com, a certain light astro at hotmail.com. It's the easiest way to reach me. You can also look for my YouTube channel uh, that is under a certain light at gmail.com. My name is Abhimanyu Katyal. You'll have that information, and you'll find me um you can and so so either the youtube channel i would say because all of my videos have my email address on it or just contacting me over email is fine and i can then you know put you in touch with the youtube channel or whatever it is that or answer questions so yeah
0: um well thank you thank you thank you Abby. thank you for this conversation thank you for my chart and my reading just thank you for sharing all of this info i feel like I have started to kind of crack my own code, the code of Sadia, and I feel like having a chart reading was really helpful for that, and for me it was just, I felt like in life I was at that point where I needed it, and so I strongly, strongly urge anybody out there listening, if you are feeling in that place where you are not listening to your intuition, or not sure if your intuition is right. You just need a little affirmation. You need a roadmap. I think this was extremely helpful and definitely something I'm going to continue to go back to and continue to just delve deeper into. So I thank you for that gift so much.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Sadia. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time for doing. Thank you. Thanks for reaching out.
0: You guys, what did you think? Oh, man, I I always listen to the episodes before they're released again um, because I do a lot of these interviews like a month or two, you know, before they're released. And I would say this episode, I listened to it again and I learned like new things all over again. So a huge thanks to Avi for sharing all of his knowledge about astrology. I'm going to also link, I'm going to link the books that he recommended in the show notes. They'll be there. And also, if you are really, really intrigued about getting um, a chart reading, reach out to Abhi. Email him. That will also be included in the show notes or reach out to him through his YouTube. Maybe watch some of his videos and get a better idea of who he is. But I guarantee you, you will not regret it. I didn't. I loved mine. And I think it's something that I actually might do like every year, just kind of as a reminder of, you know, of my clarity for myself and for my path. So I highly encourage you to reach out to him. And man, that last part about uh, Trump and Biden and Kamala and Hillary, I mean, It really, really makes you think, because uh, it's funny, we recorded this episode, I believe, towards the end of August, and it is now October. And so much has happened since then. I mean, if you think in the past two weeks, you know, Trump has supposedly tested positive for COVID. I'm going to go with his word. Um, He his taxes were released that he only pays 750, you know. So, I mean, those two things right there were just huge bombs that that kind of got there was so much stuff in the news cycle, it just kind of got suppressed after a couple of days. So it'll be interesting to see how all of the things that Abhi mentioned, how they will all play out. So definitely keep this podcast in mind this episode when you are listening to the results come November for the election. Continue you guys to stay safe out there. What else? Oh, Speaking of all the things that are happening in the world, I'm doing a show November 7th, right after the election. So depending on who you're voting for, you might feel really good or you might need a hug, a virtual hug, and my show will be here to give you both. Um, It is a journey of solo artists, a part of the Black Voices Festival at the White Fire Theater. I am performing 10 minutes of a solo show I'm developing called Mama. So the info for the ticks will be in the show links as well. Please buy a ticket. You can watch it from anywhere from the comfort of your own home and as always, if you love what we're doing here at That One Blank Friend, what I'm doing, please reach out on social media, on Instagram and Twitter and, uh, you know, all of them. And just let me know how you are feeling. And if there's any particular voice or person, maybe you want to hear. Maybe you want to introduce me to a new friend. I don't know. So with that being said, <sighs> that was a mouthful right there. Um You guys, have a great week. I'm out.